Hey there, welcome to Hear the Word, and I'm Dr. Jerry Creed. And here's the podcast where I read to you the Sunday readings, and we do some meditation along with it. Uh, this Sunday is the Sunday of Palm Sunday. Uh, so the readings are a little long, and uh, but powerful. And we're gearing up toward Good Friday. Uh, we're preparing for this a powerful and uh, moving experience of Christ's passion. And uh, so this is a good time in our meditation to really reflect on what the passion means to us. And I think it's the crux or the unique aspect of our faith that we don't even talk about suffering per se. We actually walk with Christ in his suffering and unite our sufferings to him. And so that is what's unique and special. Um, this, for, for the season of Lent, I've been uh, focusing on the topic of dissociation on the other podcast, Be With Word. Uh, that's where I do a, more of a discussion on the readings. And so I'll be kind of wrapping up dissociation on this week's Be With The Word in order to prepare for um, the resurrection, where I really want to talk about integration and wholeness and healing in Christ. And so this reading today is sort of powerful because what is essential in our faith is both sides of the coin, passion on one side and resurrection on the other. And psychologically, I believe that tells me that we can't avoid suffering. We can't avoid pain. In fact, like Christ, we have to walk through it in some way. And he shows us the way in these readings. And so what I'm going to do as I work through them, I will pause occasionally to ask a question. Right? Or, or maybe a, a, a short comment. And if that question um, gets you to reflect a little bit, you feel free to pause, of course, and, and think about that and, and sit with that with God. So what we're doing now is we want to get into a comfortable place. I mean, you can listen while you're driving or you can listen while you're cleaning or whatnot. That's all fine, but you're going to get the most out of it. I think if you are in a, in a quiet prayer place, uh, or a, quiet spot on the couch, <laughs> who knows, and uh, you enter into it. So this is not just listening uh, to the words of the readings. This is taking them in, allowing them to penetrate into our hearts. And that's what Hear the Word has been about, especially since Advent 2020 has been my focus. So um, with that, if you're in a comfortable place, my recommendation is that you have both feet on the ground, but it's not necessary. My also recommendation is that you take a few deep cleansing breaths. Ground yourself in your own body. So noticing your own body. And if there's tension and stress and anything that you're holding on to, we're just going to notice that it's there. We're not going to challenge it. We're not going to encourage it. We're just going to be aware. And then 
as we take in a deep breath, we say, Lord Jesus Christ, and then we breathe out, have mercy on me. And as we do that, we invite the tension and stress to kind of flow in a little and then ooh, release out. Lord Jesus Christ, as we allow our Lord to enter into our bodies as well as our souls and spirits. And then we breathe out of mercy on me and we breathe out our tension, our stresses, our cares for the day. Okay, and so now we're going to allow whatever God wants to tell us in these readings uh, to be known. I'm going to begin with the, the shorter reading outside of Mass. Usually um, on Palm Sunday, they begin Mass outside. This is from John 12. When the great crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found an ass and sat upon it, as it is written, Fear no more, O daughter of Zion. See, your son, your king comes, seated upon an ass's colt. His disciples did not understand this at first. But when Jesus had been glorified, they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done this for him. And I know for me, there's a certain excitement in, about the coming of something great, someone great positive change. For the Jews at this time, it would be a king. And although they were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the king of Israel. They didn't truly understand the real mission here and the real work Jesus would be doing not to restore an earthly kingdom, but to create a heavenly kingdom and to create a new temple, a new temple within each one of our hearts. And so let us reflect on the fact that sometimes we get excited about something we put all of our hopes into something. Sometimes that works, but sometimes God has other plans. Next reading is from Isaiah chapter 50. The Lord has given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to speak to the weary, a word that will rouse them. Morning after morning, he opens my ear that I may hear, and I have not rebelled, have not turned back. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard. My face I did not shield from buffets and spitting. The Lord God is my help. 
therefore I am not disgraced. I have set my face like flint, knowing that I shall not be put to shame. In this reading, we're reminded that we focus on that mission. We focus on knowing what we are called to do. Knowing that we might be persecuted or laughed at or hurt. But there isn't disgrace in this work. And Christ shows us that through his passion that despite the intense humiliation, he's not actually put to shame. It's actually his greatest work. So I reflect somewhat on the fact that in my own life, my own traumas, my own heart hurts can be transformed if aligned to his mission. And if we can see how he is working through those sufferings to something greater. Responsorial Psalm from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? All who see me scoff at me. They mock me with parted lips. They wag their heads. He relied on the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him if he loves him. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Indeed, many dogs surround me. A pack of evildoers closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? They divide my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far from me. O my help, hasten to aid me. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, give glory to him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And if we are experiencing any triggers at all or any tenseness again, Let's return to our breathing. Let's take a deep breath. Again, I'm noticing my own shoulders. So I'm gonna allow them to just sort of drop and rest. As I take a deep breath, taking in the words, Lord Jesus Christ, and then breathing out, have mercy on me. And we see in this Psalm how even through great suffering and calling out to God, sometimes it's unbearable. Sometimes we are, we do feel lost or we feel abandoned or we feel 
alone. And yet there's a turning even within that. In the last passage, you who fear the Lord, praise him, revere him, all you descendants of Israel. So we notice that sometimes at our darkest moments, if we just turn to him, we receive comfort. Next reading from the Philippians. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Once again, our Lord models for us the way. He himself allows himself to be emptied taking the form of a slave, humbling himself to death. And then we recognize the powerful uh, irony or powerful paradox, really, that it is through dying, it is through suffering that we achieve greatness through Christ. So now, all of my pains and all of my hurts can be transformed or are transformed from thorns to jewels. It isn't my shame, it's my, it's my glory. The Gospel, according to Mark, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were to take place in two days' time. So the priests and the scribes were seeking a way to arrest him by treachery and put him to death. They said, Not during the festival, for fear that there may be a riot among the people. When he was in Bethany, reclining at a table in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of perfumed oil, costly genuines, uh, spikenard. She broke the alabaster jar and poured it on his head. There were some who were indignant. Why has there been this waste of perfumed oil? It could have been sold for more than 300 days' wages, and the money given to the poor. They were infuriated with her. Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you make trouble for her? She has done a good thing for me. The poor you will always have with you, and whenever you wish, you can do good to them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anticipated anointing my body for burial. 
Amen, I say to you. Wherever the gospel is proclaimed to the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. We'll just take a short pause to take that in. It's interesting this woman had the insight to use very expensive oil on his body out of devotion for his body that was going to be buried. So a sort of a pre-anointing, a pre-taking care of his, his body out of love. And as we approach this Passion Week, We pray that you will give us that grace of devotion, love for our Lord. We want to take care of his body. We want to be close to him. With great devotion, piety, care, gratitude then Judas Iscariot one of the twelve went off to the chief priests to hand him over to them when they heard him they were pleased and promised to pay him money then he looked for an opportunity to hand him over on the first day of the feast of unleavened bread when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city and a man will meet you carrying a jar of water. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. The disciples then went off, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And so we see a bit of a juxtaposition between the woman who is anointing Jesus out of devotion and love, and then Jesus, uh, um, sorry, Judas, plans to betray him. Two very different responses to our Lord. And meanwhile, the disciples are uh, getting ready to uh, do the Passover and prepare the room. And so let us just reflect on how we want to respond to our Lord this week of love and devotion or betrayal. Do we want to prepare, prepare a space for him? Prepare a space to enter into the passion and enter into his resurrection ultimately. When it was evening, he came with the 12. And as they reclined at table and were eating, Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and to say to him, one by one, Surely it is not I, he said to them. One of the twelve, 
the one who dips with me into the dish. For the Son of Man indeed goes, as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. While they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. Amen, I say to you. I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so we pause for a moment and reflect on the fact that Christ was establishing this new covenant through his very words as he broke the bread and drank the wine. He was establishing the Eucharist and he was establishing the way in which he would live with us through his passion and resurrection. And how we would join with him through that Eucharist. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will have your faith shaken, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be dispersed. But after I have been raised up, I shall go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though all should have their faith shaken, mine will not be. Then Jesus said to him, Amen, I say to you, this very night before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he vehemently replied, even though I should have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all spoke similarly. Then they came to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be troubled and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is sorrowful even to death. Remain here and keep watch. He advanced a little and fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, this hour might pass by him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Take this cup away from me, but not what I will what you will. When he returned, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not undergo the test. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Withdrawing again, he prayed, saying the same thing. Then he returned once more and found them asleep, for they could not keep their eyes open and did not know what to answer him. He returned a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinners. 
Get up, let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. And again, we see many examples here of the disciples' enthusiasm not matching their actions. We see Christ himself struggling with what he had to do, sorrowful, having to align his human will with God's will. So again, he's our example, and the disciples also are an example for us, that we have to face the fact that there are many times when our human will, our human desires gets in the way of doing what we know is right or knowing what God is calling us to. And many times in which we are asleep and blind <laughs> to what's in front of us. Then, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs who had come from the chief priests, the scribes and the elders. His betrayer had arranged a signal with them, saying, The man I shall kiss is the one. Arrest him and lead him away securely. He came and immediately went over to him and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. At this they laid hands on him and arrested him. One of the bystanders drew his sword, struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. Jesus said to them in reply, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to seize me? Day after day I was with you, teaching in the temple area, yet you did not arrest me, but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. Now a young man followed him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth about his body. They seized him, but he left the cloth behind and ran off naked. I'm going to leave that last little line for the biblical scholars to comment on. <laughs> but here we do see Christ being betrayed and his followers running just after promising they would not. They led Jesus away to the high priest and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. Peter followed him at a distance into the high priest's courtyard and was seated with the guards, warming himself at the fire. The chief priests and the entire Sanhedrin kept trying to obtain testimony against Jesus in order to put him to death, but they found none. Many gave false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. Some took the stand and testified falsely against him, alleging, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another not made with hands. Even so, their testimony did not agree. The high priest rose before the assembly and questioned Jesus, saying, Have you no answer? What are these men testifying against you? But he was silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said to him, Are you Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? Then Jesus answered, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power 
and coming with the clouds of heaven. At that, the high priest tore his garments and said, What further need have we of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as deserving to die. Some began to spit on him. They blindfolded him and struck him and said to him, Prophesy! And the guards greeted him with blows. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the high priest's maids came along, seeing Peter warming himself. She looked intently at him and said, You too were with the Nazarene, Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. So he went out into the outer court. Then the cock crowed. The maid saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. Once again he denied it. A little later the bystanders said to Peter once more, Surely you are one of them, for you too are a Galilean. He began to curse and to swear, I do not know this man about whom you are talking. And immediately a cock crowed a second time. Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. He broke down and wept. As soon as morning came, the chief priests with the elders and scribes, that is, the whole Sanhedrin, held a council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? He said to him in reply, You say so. The chief priests accused him of many things. Again Pilate questioned him, Have you no answer? See how many things they accuse you of. Jesus gave him no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now on the occasion of the feast, he used to release to them one prisoner whom they requested. A man called Barabbas was then in prison, along with the rebels who had committed murder in a rebellion. The crowd came forward and began to ask him to do for them as he was accustomed. Pilate answered, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate again said to them in reply, Then what do you want me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted again, Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? They only shouted the louder, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and after he had Jesus scourged, handed him over to be crucified. The the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the praetorium, and assembled the whole cohort. They clothed him in purple, and weaving a crown of thorns, placed it on him. They began to salute him with, Hail, King of the Jews! and kept striking his head with a reed and spitting upon him. They knelt before him in homage, and when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, dressed him in his own clothes, and led him out to crucify him. They pressed into service a passerby, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. They brought him to the place of Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. They gave him wine drugged with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his garments by casting lots for them to see what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. 
With him, they crucified two revolutionaries, one on his right and one on his left. Those passing by reviled him, shaking their heads. Those passing by reviled him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests with the scribes mocked him among themselves and said, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also kept abusing him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders who heard it said, Look, he is calling Elijah. One of them ran, soaked a sponge with wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see if Elijah comes to take him down. Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. The veil of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who stood facing him saw how he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of the younger James and of Joseph, and Salome. These women had followed him when he was in Galilee and ministered to him. There were also many other women who had come to, up to him to Jerusalem. When it was already evening, since it was the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a distinguished member of the council, who was himself awaiting the kingdom of God, came and courageously went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was amazed that he was already dead he summoned the centurion and asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned it, of it from the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. Having bought a linen cloth, he took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance to the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, watched where he was laid. And so that ends our reading. I went through the last part mostly without comment or without the meditation um, questions. Because it's a lot to take in. My question, I guess, will be, you know, who do I relate to in these readings? There's Peter, who was so fervently going to not deny Jesus and he does it three times and even gets angry at the end and there's Simon carrying the cross and there's the women and there's Joseph of Arimathea a whole cast of characters in this drama this powerful drama and so as we reflect on that as we take in these readings as we absorb the meaning of this story and the meaning of our of the work that our Lord has done for us. 
there's an internal connection with Christ where we unite ourselves and our sufferings to him. And there's an external action where we choose to devote ourselves and adore him. So I pray during this Lent, this um, getting close to the end of Lent, that we um, that we look at that, the interior and the exter exterior. We look at the ways in which our heart is transformed by his passion and the way in which we love and adore and are devoted to him. And so as we close up, we take a deep cleansing breath. We allow this story to penetrate. We allow whatever it is that our Lord wants to tell us through the story to be revealed. We carry that with us throughout this week as we enter Holy Week. And I thank you for joining me if you've stayed all this way. I'm grateful to take this journey with you. I'm personally blessed to do these readings and to allow this work into my own heart. Hope you'll join me over and be with the word. It'll be a shorter one this week. Um, and uh, I hope you'll also join us at soulsandhearts.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter to get all the good stuff that's coming. All right. Take good care. Be still. Believe. Be loved.